0: Well, if we're not convinced of God's love for us, how in the world can we demonstrate that love through our lives as well? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, we're in a new month, the month of July, and we're also in a new sermon series. Uh, we're kicking off this sermon series which really is an extension of our previous sermon series on the 11th commandment. What we're going to do in the month of July is we're encouraging everybody to read a chapter a day out of the book of Matthew. We're going to look in on that gospel and see how did Jesus actually love people? If we're to love like he loved, let's study that and let's see what that looks like. We look at the world today and we see more pictures of hate and hurt than ever before. It's time that the church shine the light of Christ's love. And so we want to dig in and see what that looks like. But if we're not careful, we struggle with the whole concept of what God's love is, what it should look like coming from our lives, or even can I be loved by God? I remember struggling with that very question. How could a God love somebody like me? How could a holy God love unholy me? I looked in the mirror and realized all my inconsistencies and all my sin and thought, there's no way God could love somebody like me. Have you struggled with that lie in recent days? Have you even struggled with those thoughts recently? Well, if we're not convinced of God's love for us, how in the world can we demonstrate that love through our lives as well? So we need to go back and we need to look at what real love looks like because most of us have been skewed by the love we have received. The love that we receive in this world, which is very conditional, if I am lovable, I get loved. If I do something unloving, if I do something unkind, people withdraw their love from me, and that's conditional love. I think that skews our perspective many times, and if we're not careful, we run back to the natural love rather than supernatural love. But as we look in on Matthew's gospel, Jesus not only preached this new commandment to love one another, but he demonstrated a different kind of love. So he preached that there was a different love, loving like he loved. He then demonstrated a different love. And then Jesus loved everyone in every direction. That's the title of this series, 360 Love. Loving in all directions, loving all people in all ways at all times. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 today. And we see in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus' first miracles is recorded by Matthew. We're going to see he heals a leper. We're going to see him heal a centurion's servant. We're going to see him heal Peter's mother-in-law. We're going to see people who were possessed with demons also receive their healing. We'll see later on in uh, the Gospels, as you read through this month, you'll see him calm the storm. You'll see him heal two demonic, possessed men. You'll see the healing of the paralytic. Three more miracles here towards the end, the healing of a sick woman and the raising of a dead girl. You'll see the healing of two blind men and on and on and on. Matthew's recording that he was not just a prophet. He was not just a priest. He was God in the flesh who did the miraculous and he did that as demonstrations of his love. He loved in every direction and so we are to love just like Jesus loved in every direction as well. He loved any and everyone He loved them uh, just as he commanded us to love. He demonstrated that in the life in which he lived. So let's dig in on some examples. Let's go to Matthew chapter eight. We'll start in verse one. Take a look at this very first miracle that Matthew records. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him and a leper came to him. Now this is very unusual. Lepers were not allowed to approach anyone. Lepers were cast out from the population. They were ostracized, and they were not to ever approach anyone. If anyone started to approach them, they were to yell out, leper, leper, unclean, unclean. But in this case, verse 2, a leper came to Jesus, bowed down before him, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, to be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priests and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As we look in on this very first miracle, I think it's interesting that Matthew chose uh, the healing of this leper. Now there are a number of things here. There's the reality of leprosy in that day, the disease that this man had, but also it's a picture of the leprosy of the soul what sin had done to God's creation that was created holy and in his image, that was now experiencing a form of spiritual leprosy, a total walking death. That's what a leper was, walking death. Matter of fact, in the ancient world at this time, leprosy was one of the most miserable, debilitating diseases known to man. There was no medical treatment, and the disease caused the body literally to rot away. And they would eventually lose uh, digits, they would lose limbs, eventually they would lose their life because of the bleeding, because of the pain, because of the infection. Leprosy also had its social implications as well. As I said, uh, if you were a leper, you would be separated from all other human existence, you would be ripped out of your home, you'd be ripped out of your community. You would be pushed outside the walls of the city and you would live in the wilderness, sometimes in leper colonies with other lepers. Or if there were no other lepers to gather with, you were there all on your own. And as I said earlier, if anybody was to approach you, you would have to declare yourself unclean, unclean, so they would know that you were infectious and that you were a leper. In Leviticus, it tells us about the life of a leper. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 says that as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and, she, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is considered unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That was initiated in the days of Moses and over the years. Uh, the stigmatism and also the contagion of the disease. Caused even more ostracization within the community. It was a hopeless life. It was a helpless life. And way before sheltering at home became our experience, the experience of a leper was sheltering away from home, away from their loved ones, away from their friends, having no hope, having no future. But isn't interesting the words of Jeremiah 29 11? These are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, not for calamity not for brokenness or for uh, discouragement or depression or destruction, but to give you a future and a hope. So we take a look at the life of this leper who now encounters Jesus. Anyone who touched a leper would also be deemed unclean. Many times that's how the disease spread, and so you are automatically labeled unclean if you ever touched a leper. As a matter of fact, it was illegal to do such, and yet we're going to see in this moment Jesus responding and loving the leper like no other. Bible scholar William Barclay said that leprosy had never, ever, ever, had there ever been another disease like leprosy which so separated man from his fellow man as leprosy did. This was a brutal time in the life of this individual, and yet he encounters Jesus, and everything's about to change. Because you see, Jesus loves like no other. He loves not like the Pharisee. He loves not like the religious people that lived in Jerusalem. He loved not like the world loved. He loves with a 360 love. He does what no one else is willing to do and what no one else was doing. He touched the leper. And as we look in on this story, I think what we can learn about how we can be that kind of love in our world today is we need to understand it gets messy. Life is messy. People's lives are wrecked by sin and it's messy. And it's very easy just to remove ourselves from them or to distance ourselves from them, but that's a worldly love. What did Jesus model? Jesus engaged this leper. He reached out to the leper and he touched him. It's also important to see that loving people isn't always comfortable. It's difficult at times and yet it's where Jesus takes us. Loving people does life where people are and does life with people who are hurting and who are in pain. That's exactly what Jesus... Look at verse 3 again. It says, For Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Now remember the original question. The man said, If you're willing, Lord, I know you can cleanse me. Look at Jesus' response in verse 3. As he reached out and he touched the man, look at what Jesus said. You need to see this this morning. He said, I am willing be clean. I want you to underline the phrase there, I am willing. So many times throughout this chapter, we're going to see Jesus demonstrating the willingness to step into their hurt, to step into their pain, and to love where other people weren't willing to go. That's who we need to be as the body of Christ today in our world. We need to be willing to go where others aren't going. We need to be willing to love those who others aren't willing to love and love 360 degrees just like Jesus. So many times, though, I think we doubt even the willingness of God to engage our pain or to engage our hurt. And I know we struggle with those questions so many times and wonder, does God even care about this issue in my life? Of course he does. He is willing. He's willing to forgive us. He's willing to love us right where we are. But he loves us so much he's willing to change us as well we'll notice in this first act of love here in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus loved the leper loved him where he was but loved him into a radical change he just didn't leave him as he was he just didn't have sympathy for the leper he changed him not just on the outside but also from the inside it was a radical act of love matter of fact this was such a radical act. It is recorded in all four of the Gospels because it was unknown to the heart of man, but it was demonstrated from the heart of the Son of Man. That same Son of Man, Son of God Jesus, lives in my heart, and I pray he lives in your heart. And if he does, he lives inside of you to live through you. We are to love as Christ loved. Jesus loved the whole person. He loved them enough to love them where they were but he loved them enough to get them to where they would be whole again forgiven of sin right with a holy God and experiencing the glory and the purposes of God well as he would heal this leper he would give him an unusual instruction and he would tell them, not, tell them not to proclaim it to anyone, but to go himself, show himself to the priest that he had been cleansed. That would allow him to be restored back in relationships with his family and his community. But why would he tell him not to tell anyone else? Well, in Mark chapter 1, we have a little bit of insight from Mark's perspective. You see, as Jesus was doing all these miracles, as he was loving people where they were and stepping into their mess... It became a magnet. People came out of the woodwork to receive that kind of love. And in Mark chapter 1, it's very interesting. You can note this this morning. Verse 35, it says, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house. He went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for Jesus, and they found him. And they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine? The crowds that wanted their healing that needed their diseases removed, that wanted to be whole like this leper? Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby. Now that doesn't sound like a loving God. You would expect Jesus to say, okay, where are they? Take me to them. I'll heal them. I've come that I might set the captive free. And yet here Jesus says, we need to go in a different direction. Why? Listen to what he said. Let us go somewhere else to the town nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. I want you to hear that this morning. Jesus said, I came to declare the good news. Not just to remove physical ailments, but to preach to the biggest ailment at all, our eternal cancer. The cancer that would separate us from a holy God forever. Jesus said, I came to preach deliverance. I came to preach deliverance the truth. Verse 39, and he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. So how did Jesus love? Jesus loved by preaching the word, and Jesus loved by demonstrating what it meant to love people right where they were. Well, there's a second healing that takes place, a second demonstration of God's love. Drop down. uh, We're back in Matthew 8. Look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come, and I will heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes, and and I even say to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those who were following, he said, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone, not a single person, including his own disciples and all of Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west. They will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the utter darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. In the first healing, the healing of the leper, we see Jesus reaching out and touching that leper. We see him engaging in the mess of of that person's hurt and that person's pain. In this case, we find somebody else who's hurting, somebody else that's in great pain And instead of reaching out and touching, instead of going all the way to where they were, immediately the person was healed simply because Jesus spoke it. See, there are two ways that we can love like Jesus loved. We can love by reaching out and engaging and embracing a person. But we also can love them by declaring the good news, by sharing with them who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life, and pointing them to the living word as we give them the revealed word of God. Jesus did the very same thing. The leper he touched. To the centurion, he simply spoke and he was healed. You see, Jesus loved people as he engaged in their hurt and as he spoke into their hurt. And sometimes people may need a touch and sometimes they may need a word. And we just simply need to let Jesus bring both through the ministry we carry out each and every day. The important thing is that all the time, every person needs that kind of love, just like Jesus loved. Well, as we look at this, we see the Roman centurion demonstrate an amazing understanding of who Jesus was and what it meant to submit to his lordship or his authority. And he said, Jesus, listen, I don't need you. And you would think he would demand Jesus to come with him because the leper, how was he healed? He was touched. How can his servant be healed unless Jesus goes to his house and touches him? But you see, the centurion understood it wasn't about the method of healing. It was about the man of healing. That it was Jesus, God in the flesh, the Lord of life. And he understood ultimate surrender to authority. He placed his faith and the power and the authority of who Jesus was, not just a preacher, not just a prophet, but understood him to be the God of life. And so as we look at this, Jesus would highlight him and would point out that he demonstrated more faith than anyone in all of Israel. Now this had to blow the disciples away because what do we know about the centurion? The centurion didn't grow up in church. The centurion didn't grow up in the family of God. He wasn't a part of Abraham's seed or Abraham's promise. He was a Gentile. And Jesus highlights this particular person, and he loves this centurion. When all of Israel hated the centurion, when all of Israel wanted Rome out of their city, when all of Israel believed that there was no hope for the Gentile, Jesus loved the unlovable. And again, we see Jesus demonstrating for them that God's love is for everyone. Take a look again. Go back to verses 11 and 12. For Jesus all of a sudden throws something in to get the attention not of the centurion, but the disciples and the other followers that have been believing a lie. Listen to what he said. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west. Who would that be? Who would be coming from the east and the west? Those would be those outside of Israel. And he says, there will be many who come not from Israel alone, but from outside. That would be the Gentiles. And they will have a place at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet know this, the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus was saying, I love everyone, not just who you believe to be the only chosen, not just those that are like you and those that are from the seed of Abraham, For all of my creation, I love every single person, and my salvation and my grace is for everyone. He also reminded them that their religion isn't what saved them, that it wasn't their pedigree or growing up in a home that could trace its roots back to Abraham, that it all came as an act of God's grace and that all could know God's love. We take a look at this. We are reminded... Of how Jesus loves 360 degrees not just Israel not just his disciples people from the east and from the west from the north and the south people from religious backgrounds and people who've not grown up in the church people who think they're righteous because they are a member of a church and those who are unrighteous because they're engaged in this world Jesus loved the leper he loved the centurion He loved this pastor before I was ever even a pastor or ever born again, and he loves you as well. Jesus loves 360 degrees. Let's take a look at a third one quickly. Go to verse 14. Look at verse 14. We'll see another healing that's highlighted in this chapter. Another way that Jesus loved. Look at verse 14. And When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. Bible scholars say leprosy was extremely deadly but more people died of fever than anything else in that day this was a serious condition in the life of Peter's mother-in-law and she was lying there sick on her deathbed what did Jesus do verse 15 Jesus touched her so we see with the leper, Jesus touched him and he was healed we see Jesus healing a servant of the centurion simply by speaking the word And now we see Jesus again modeling as he touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up immediately and she waited on him. Drop down and we'll see another healing. Verse 16, Jesus continues to pour out his love. And it didn't matter the person. It didn't matter their background. In one case, it was a leper. another case, it was a Gentile. In another case, it was a faithful mother-in-law, an elderly person. In this case, look at verse 16. And when evening came... They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits, watch this, with a word. Underline that. He just didn't do what you might see on television today and slap him upside the head or put a hand on him to remove the demon. No, he spoke healing. His word, the sharp two-edged sword. There are times that Jesus reaches out and touches, like the leper and the mother-in-law. And there are times that Jesus speaks the two-edged sword, his word, and they were healed, all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. With a word, he spoke it, and they were healed. So we close today's sermon, I, I think we've seen some snapshots of how we can love like Jesus loved. Now, obviously... Jesus was the son of God in the flesh who had a divine calling, who was given that, uh, that power to heal in that moment. And certainly we can pray for people's healing, and certainly there are times that God will continue to heal today. But, but really the point of this story is that Jesus is the ultimate healer. Just like Isaiah was prophesying, he would take away our infirmities, he would carry away our diseases And these cases, these were literal cases of physical healing. But more than that, they were a picture that only the Messiah could be broken and bruised for our iniquities, our sin. And only Jesus could heal the eternal soul wound that we all had and the spiritual wound that we carry that we were spiritually dead. So very quickly, as we close, not only do we need to see how Jesus loved, but we need to see how to receive that love. Four things very quickly you just need to see. Number one, we see out of Matthew chapter 8 that we are all spiritually sick. Not just a leper, not just a mother-in-law with fever, not just a centurion's servant. These were examples of physical pain and physical hurt that needed physical healing. But scripture says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us are spiritual lepers. All of us are now outside the community and fellowship of God, not because God doesn't love us, not because he's rejecting us, but our sin separates us from his holy presence. But God so loved you and God so loved me, he became our sin so that he could pay that debt that I couldn't pay and you couldn't pay, so that we who are spiritually sick, that he could take on our iniquities and our disease, sin, and remove it from us so that we might be restored back to a holy God. The second thing we need to see that we see here is all of them couldn't find a doctor who could heal them. In this case, even Peter couldn't heal his own mother-in-law. They all needed Jesus. I don't know what you're looking to to heal the hole in your heart or the emptiness of your life, to cover your sin, whether you look to religion or you look to the things of this world, but all of it falls short of God's glory. The only way we can be healed Is through a Savior named Jesus. Jesus so loved you, he came to heal you. The third thing we need to see is that it's faith. Faith is necessary for our healing. It isn't our faith that heals us. It's our faith in the one who can heal us. Matter of fact, we go all the way back to the leper, and we can see, certainly we saw it in the centurion when Jesus said, I've never seen faith in all of Israel like we see in him But he also saw it in the leper. For the leper didn't say, Lord, if you can heal me, if you can remove this leprosy, remove it. What did he say? Lord, if you're willing. You see, the leper already had faith that Jesus was the healer, that Jesus was his only hope. And that's why he came to Jesus. He wasn't supposed to approach anyone, but he had nowhere else he could go. He had nowhere else he could turn, and he came to Jesus. I had to do that the junior year of my high school years. I had to come to a point where I realized I'd turned here and I'd turned there. I had gone after love all different 360 degrees except for that one degree, Jesus. I tried everything to find love and meaning and purpose in life, but I had to come to Jesus. And I was drawn to his unique love. I saw it in Cammie's life. I saw it at her church as she would take me to church, people who'd been set free from this kind of unique and unconditional love. And I knew that that's what I was desperately looking for. Has there been a time in your life where you've called on Jesus to be your Savior? Have you ever received that gift of his unconditional love? See, that's why the Bible says we're saved. We're saved not by our own works, but as a result of placing our faith in him as our only hope, his grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. It's a gift, a gift from God that must be received. If that's never happened for you, right where you are, you could pray right now in these moments, right where you are, just bow your head and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I see it. And Dear Lord, I need it. I'm a sinner. I have spiritual leprosy. And Lord, I know you are willing. You're willing that none should perish, but all come to everlasting life. So Lord, I know you're willing. Save me, Lord. Bible says as you call on his name you will be saved and in these very moments as you just called out the Lord as you confessed your sin as you believe that he was your only hope just like the leper and just like the centurion right now right now he is willing and he has saved you I want you to reach out to our online pastor and say hey this morning I prayed or perhaps email us at ministry at pcbc.tv and say today today I prayed and I received Christ We'd love to celebrate with you, and we would love to know how we can minister to you in the days ahead. Could be, though, you know the love of God. And in these days, in, age, in this age in which we live, maybe you're coming under conviction that you need to love like Christ loves you. Like he loved the leper, like he loved the centurion, like he loved the mother-in-law of Peter, and even those who were struggling with demon. Uh, possession he loved 360 degrees all people at all times everywhere and maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying it's time that you be that kind of lover that you would surrender that love that lives in you that gave you your forgiveness and gave you a new life but that daily you'd be willing to commit and say Lord love through me even the most unlovable would you make that your commitment so to close out today, I want to remind you that you should have received an email from the church that today is the deadline to finish voting on the motion that was brought to you by the strategic planning team and also by your church council. Deacons also have given their unanimous support that we sell eight-tenths of an acre, an additional small portion of land uh, for the Wellness Center to continue to expand its ministry to the community. Uh, that is for $135,000 We are asking you, if you're a member of the church, that you would email us at ministry at pcbc.tv a yes or a no, and we'll be compiling those votes and reporting to the church this next week. Until then, be a lover, a lover of God, and a lover of people. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels and visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.